The next two prokim talk about the third category of tzara'as, that which appears on one's house inside of Eretz Yisrael, and is learnt from Psukim that only if each of the four walls of the house contain stones, wood, and clay, all three of those materials, on all four of the walls, only then can the house become tome with tzara'as. Because of that, if one of the sides, one of the walls of the house was covered with marble, often they would coat the inner part of the wall inside of the house with marble. Even if the actual wall is stone, since it has been coated with marble, which is not considered, halachically speaking, to be like regular stone, this house would already not be able to become tome with tzara'as, even if this is only with one of the walls. Or if Echod Basela, if one of the walls was a natural rock which is stuck in the ground and has been there since the beginning of time, Echod Belevenim, or if one of the walls was covered with bricks, Echod Bo'ofar, or if one of the walls was made up of earth that was in a pile, it's not clay, but the entire wall is just made up of pieces of earth, all of these are the wrong kinds of material, and therefore Tahar. Such a house would remain pure, even if a nega does appear on the house, it will not become tome as tsara'as, because it is learned from Sukkim that only if all of the walls are made up of the three materials that we mentioned, stone, wood, and clay, only then can the house become tome with tsara'as. A house that was not made up, each of its walls, with stone, wood, and clay, the nearby nega, and a nega appeared on that house, Currently, it's in a state that it cannot become Tzara'as. And afterwards, whilst the nega is still there, they added on to each of the walls stone, wood, and clay. Tahar, the house will remain pure, since at the beginning of the development of that nega, it was not fit to become Tzara'as. The same applies to a item of clothing. A cloth that was not yet woven three by three finger breadths. It was too small for it to become Tommy with Tzara'as. Vinyar by nega. And a nega appeared on it. And only after that, then he wove and continued the weaving until it was three by three finger breadths at least. So now it is large enough for it to become Tommy with Saras. Tohar, that item will remain pure based on that nega since when it developed originally, it was not fit to become Tommy. If a new nega will develop after that, then of course the item of clothing will become Tommy. The Mishnah ends off with the rule that was really the reason for the f- whole first half of the Mishnah. In a bias mitamim ba negoim ad it has can only become Tommy with negoim with saras if it has stone, wood, and clay in each of the four walls of the house. How many stones need to be in the walls of the house? Rishmal and Rabbi Shmal says, Arba, four stones for each of the walls. One stone per wall is sufficient. Rabbi Akiva, however, Rabbi Akiva says, Shemayna, there must be at least eight stones, two in each wall. And the Mishnah explains the reason for each of these opinions. Shalhi Rabbi Shmal, because Rabbi Shmal says that the nega that appears on a house could only be Tzara'as, and be a reason that the entire house need to be demolished, if the nega is at least the size of two beans, and it appears across two stones, or even on the same one stone. Even if this nega, which is the length of two beans, appears only on one st- single stone, and doesn't spread across two different stones, 
that is sufficient for the house to be considered a house which has tsaras on it. And therefore, there is no need to have more than one stone on each wall. However, each wall does require at least one stone. It's true that obviously the house will become tome even if a nega only appears on one of the walls. It doesn't have to appear on each of the four walls. However, each of the four walls needs to be fit for a nega to appear on it. And therefore, each of the four walls must have at least one stone. Rabbi Akiva, however, Rabbi Akiva says that a nega is only considered to be a nega that could be tsara'as ad al if it appears the size of two beams and spreads across two stones. If the entire nega is only on one stone, that is not good enough according to Rabbi Akiva. Not on one stone. So since the nega needs to appear across two stones, each of the walls, which each needs to be fit to have a nega developing on there, must contain at least two stones. Rabbi Elazar, Rabbi Shimon, Omer, Rabbi Elazar, Rabbi Shimon, the third opinion says, It's true, like Rabbi Akiva said, that it must appear the size of two beans, and it must spread across two stones. But not only that, but it's got to spread across two walls at the corner. So if there are two stones adjacent to each other at the corner, one, for example, on the wall which is in the eastern direction and the other that is on a northern direction, and they meet at the corner, only if the nega spreads across both stones, one which is on the eastern direction, one which is in the northern direction, only then would it be considered a nega that is tsara'as, and presumably it follows, according to Rabbi Lozberg Shimon, that the stones which are in the house must be situated on the very ends of each of the walls. The Mishnah ends off that according to everybody, the length of the nega must be the length of two beans, and the width must be the width of one bean. Essentially, this means that the minimum size for the nega on the house is double the size necessary in comparison to a nega that appears on a person's body or on one's clothes. Because those regular negoim only need to be the size of one gris, a bean, whereas over here it needs to be the size of two two beans. It should be noted, by the way, that the opinion of Rabbi Lozbro is Shimon, that the nega needs to specifically spread around the corner, that is learnt from Pasukim. Mishnah Dalad, Eitzim, how much wood needs to be in each of the four walls of the house for it to be fit to become Tomewitz or Ask? The same amount of wood that is needed to put underneath the lintel of a door, this is referring to the top part of the door frame against which the door bangs, and it prevents the door from swinging across the other side of the doorway. Rabbi Huda says, It's got to be enough wood that could be used to make a sandal behind the lintel. This is some sort of wooden beam that would prevent the lintel from rotting and getting moldy. That's why it's called a sandal, in the same way as a sandal or a shoe protects one's foot. This also protects the lintel from the outside, making it moldy. Alright, and finally, offer how much clay is necessary in the in each of the four walls. Can they lit in min Enough to place in between each of the cracks that are in the wall. For example, when a window is made in the wall of a house, cracks are often formed in the walls, and they'll be filled with, with clay. The amount of clay that is needed for such a purpose is the amount of clay that needs to be in each of the four walls. Curious for Avos, the walls of a trough, a large container from which an animal eats or drinks, 
the kyoisamachitsa and walls of a partition that's in the middle of a room or that is used outside. The point is, it is not the wall of a house. In Omitan Banigoyim, these cannot become Tomei with Saras because the Torah specifies specifically Bikiris Habayis, walls of a house. Now, we learned at the beginning of this parak, this chapter, that only a house that is inside of Eretz Yisrael can become Tomei with Saras. This is learned from the fact that the Torah says, Beveis Eretz Achuzaschem. We're talking about a house that is in the land of your inheritance. Eretz Yisrael was split up in, into 12 different parts for the different tribes to take an inheritance and a different portion in the various parts of the land. And that is obviously the case specifically with regards to Eretz Yisrael. Now, for the same reason, the Mishnah says Yerushalayim, Yerushalayim, Jerusalem, the Chutzla Eretz, and any land outside of Eretz Yisrael, Enon Tam Banagoyim, cannot become Tommy with Saras. Because, at least according to the opinion of this Mishnah, Yerushalayim was not like all of the other parts of Eretz Yisrael, that one of the tribes received this portion. Since this is where the Beit HaMikdash stood, the city of Yerushalayim was actually considered to be the inheritance and the portion of all of the Jewish people. It wasn't the inheritance and portion of one particular tribe, and therefore it's not included in that which the Torah described as the land which is split into different portions and inheritances, and so it's not included in what the Torah says can become Tomei with Saras on the house. What is the procedure of seeing and examining a house when it has a nega on it? And the Mishnah brings many of the psukim as it will describe the process. The Pesukim that I mentioned in Parshas Metzoyro, when the Torah talks about Saras on a house, Uvo Asheloi Habayis, the owner of the house, should come, the Higid Lakoyen Leimor, and he will tell a Koyen, saying the following, Kenega Nirali Baboyis. Kunega, something that appears like a nega, has appeared for me on the house. And the Misha takes note of this interesting use of term, Kunega. It doesn't say that a nega appeared on the house. But kunega, something that looks like a nega. And the Mishnah emphasizes, Even if we are talking about a Talmud Chochom, somebody who is very knowledgeable in Torah, and he knows that it's certainly a nega that should be Tzara'as, He shouldn't decree and declare and say that a nega appeared for me on the house. Elo kunega Rather, he should say that something that looks like it could be a nega appeared for me on the house. The reason for this is because, as we have seen, the decision of whether the nega is considered to be tsaras or not is totally in the hands of the koyen. And in order to show that, the person should approach the koyen with humility. He shouldn't declare that it's definitely a nega because the decision is not based on his own thoughts. He should say that something that could be a nega has appeared, and it's now up to you, the koyen, to render it saras or not. The Mishnah continues quoting the next pasuk in the Torah: The koyen will command and instruct, and following his instructions, they will clear the house, they'll empty the house of the objects which are inside of it. Some versions of the Mishnah end the quote of the pasuk over there. Some continue with the rest of the pasuk: before the coin will come to see and examine the nega, the loyit mokashir baboyis, and that way, not everything in the house will become tomei. The achar kain, and only after that, yovah hakoin lirus the coin will come to see the house, 
And the similar understanding of the Pasuk is simply a good piece of advice that the Kohen tells the person to take out any of his belongings from the house before the Kohen comes and pronounces the house to be Tomei because it has a nega on it. And if he removes the items from there before that declaration is made, then he'll manage to save them from becoming Tomei. However, interestingly, the first opinion of the, of the Mishnah says, Even items like bundles of wood, and even bundles of reeds, which are items that are not able to become Tomei, not any item in the world can become Tomei, like we learned extensively in Masechus Kalim. There are many different conditions in order for something to be able to become Tomei. And according to Rabbi Yehuda, that's the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, that even items that are not able to become Tomei need to be removed from the house. Because according to Rabbi Yehuda, this is not just a good piece of advice that the Torah is giving. Rather, it's a decree, the Torah says, just like there are certain mitzvahs you need to put on to fill in. You need to remove the items from the house. This is not just a good piece of advice. There is a requirement, like the language of the Pasuk, the Kohen will command him. That implies that it's an instruction that needs to be followed that he is obligated to remove all of the items which are inside of the house and take them out out of the house. Now, if that is the case, why exactly does the Torah say immediately after the instruction to remove the items from the house that they won't become Tomei, everything in the house won't become Tomei? The purpose of removing the items from the house has nothing to do with them becoming Tomei. The answer is, the Torah is just telling us that you should know that not only the items that are brought into the house after it has been declared Tomei, do those become Tomei, but even the items that were there from the beginning, they were there, they were there even beforehand, before the house was declared to be Tomei, even those items become Tomei as well if they are not removed. But that's not to say that that's the reason for the commandment to remove the items from the house. We have explained the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda in one way, just to note, by the way, there is another explanation that Rabbi Yehuda agrees that the purpose is in order that they don't become Tomei. And Rabbi Yehuda has an incredible novel opinion that these items actually become Tomei. Even though these are items that are not able to become Tomei with any other impurity that exists, or virtually any other impurity that exists, Rabbi Yehuda learns from Psukim that the tumor that comes as a result of being inside of a house that has Tzora'as, even those items would become Tomei. And this is a very novel opinion, but we are going to understand simply that Rabbi Yehuda argues and understands that this is a commandment, it's not just a good piece of advice, but not that items that in general cannot become Tomei over here would be able to become Tomei. Rabbi Shimon, Omer Rabbi Shimon says, however, this is not the case. The Torah is only giving a good piece of advice that you should avoid your items to be- from becoming Tomei. Eisek Hula Pinoy, he asks Rabbi Yehuda, should he busy himself to empty the house for no reason? And Omar Abi Meir, Abi Meir continues and develops this idea, and he says, let's think about it. What items will become Tomei inside of this house, that because of them, the Torah is warning the person to, and giving him good advice, to remove the items from the house. In Toimar, if you say that we're talking about kleets of God of Matchosov, wooden items and clothes and metal items... The Torah is not talking about those items, because even if they do become Tomei, Mat Bilon, he is able to put them into a mikveh, a collection of natural water, the Hintahirim, and they will be purified in that way. So, Almechosa Torah, on what items did the Torah have pity and concern for when it warned that you should make sure that they don't become Tomei? Alklecharsoi, on his earthenware utensils, Valpachoi, and his small jug of oil, Valtifioi. 
This is another small container used for oil, also made of earthenware, because the law is that items which are made of earthenware cannot be purified in a mikveh. If they become tome, then they need to be broken. There's no other way to remove their impurity from them. And Rameir exclaims, he says, If the Torah is so concerned to this extent about one's money that is not, one's possessions that are not worth so much, all the more so the Torah is concerned about one's more beloved and more valuable possessions. And if this is the extent that the Torah is concerned about one's money and possessions, all the more so must the Torah be concerned about one's children, one's sons and daughters' lives themselves. And if that's how much the Torah is concerned about a Russia, a wicked person, because remember, Tzara's comes as a punishment. All the more so must the Torah be concerned about the possessions and the family of a tzaddik, a righteous person, who has not committed the sins for which Tzara'as comes as a punishment.